Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains. This is your host. Today's episode features a very special guest. The thing that makes me excited about this particular guest is that I found her on social media, Instagram in in particular. And one thing that I did differently this season is reach out to people that I either met through social media and got to connect with in real life or people that I just followed on social media and have never actually met in person. This particular guest, Michelle Guerrero Dennison, is someone that I actually did have the pleasure of meeting up with in real life. And what was great is that we started off just kind of DMing and commenting and liking each other's posts on Instagram. And one day she said, what if we just like link up for coffee or something? And so she came down from Orange County and we met up in Long Beach and we sat at this really great restaurant and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And what was so great is I got to see that the persona that she shares on social media is very much who she is in a lot of ways. And what's really dope about Michelle's magic is that she is legitimately a magical being. She is a a magician. She is a, a witch of light and love. She is a mother. She is a partner and spouse and just a very, very positive, intentional, powerful human being. And so what I'm sharing with you today is just a snippet of a conversation that we had about healing, wellness, and how it's becoming an industry and finding the best ways to make sure that while we choose a profession that is rooted in healing and wellness, that we're staying true to the roots of those practices. So I invite you to sit back, Take a long, deep, cleansing breath, get comfortable, and ready to listen to another conversation. Hello there. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty well. Pretty well. Doing a little scrub on my computer, trying to, you know, clear some space because my computer was like, I need room. And so I started you know, going through and like clearing out old documents and stuff and came across a video recording of my grandmother who passed in 2017 and I hadn't seen or heard her voice in so long. Oh, wow. It was just like, oh my goodness, I needed that today. So that was just like a lovely little experience I had just before the call. So it was actually... That is beautiful. I have found a couple of things with my dad since he's passed that I mean, they were at the time they were just casual little things, but when I stumble on them, it really is a gift every single yeah, time. Yeah, it is. It's so it's it's like those little messages, those little reminders, those little you know okay. words of, of encouragement just fall. Like you said, when when the video was recorded years ago, it was just like, oh, that's lovely, and she's sharing a little something, yeah. and now it's like this profoundly you know a soothing uh sensation so I was like oh I needed to hear that today thanks grandma uh but um I'm so happy that we're able to connect and I know we I had some scheduling issues a couple weeks ago so I appreciate you for being so patient and and um, yeah taking the time here um the podcast is definitely one of my passion projects I'd say of the of everything that I share as far as what I produce content wise, the, the podcast is definitely one of my favorites. Um, it started as just, you know, a nudge on my heart to say, do something with all of these conversations that you have with people and maybe share some of these little soapbox rants that you go on when you're in the car by yourself and put it out there and see if they vibe with anybody, if they resonate. Right. And the more I did it, the, the, the more comfortable I became. And then this season, I decided to just step outside my comfort zone and invite more guests to feature than I had before. And I'm just so grateful that everybody that I invited has said yes and has, you know, scheduled a session. And we've had some really cool conversations about pretty much everything under the sun. And the feedback that I'm getting from listeners is that they're enjoying it. And I'm excited about that. So thank you so much for, for saying yes. I appreciate it. Oh, well, uh, thank you for asking me. And also, I just have to backtrack. Are you surprised that everybody you asked has said yes? 
I think a part of me was when I reached out to people that I had yet to really establish any kind of rapport with. Um, I reached out to some people that I follow on social media and that, you know, I consider to be social media influencers that I may have met like one time at an event or something. And in my mind, allowing that imposter syndrome to kind of seep in that says, they don't don't know you, why would they say yes to you? And once we actually jumped on the call, I felt like, oh, oh yeah, I I do. I'm kind of good at this. This is a good thing. I I enjoy this. So of course they would say yes. But yeah, initially I did have a a bit of that that feeling. Yeah. I am fast. I became fast friends with imposter syndrome um, very early in life. So I get it. But you like I, when I look at you or when I talk to you, you have, you have such an amazing presence and your energy is so soothing. I can't imagine anybody turning you down. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And that's my intention is for people to feel that way. So I'm, I'm glad that that, I'm glad that that's what I'm putting out <laughs> because that's definitely what I hope for. And, and I'm grateful as well. And I'm glad that, that people have been so open, you know, um, the conversations that I share through this podcast are conversations that I feel like I would naturally be having anyway uh, with, with each guest. And what I think is cool is it kind of gives people a chance to just listen in a little bit and maybe take away something that, you know, really resonates with them. So in our time together, uh, I am going to kind of steer the conversation around a couple of things, um, just using some very open I invite you to take up as much or as little space as you'd like as you share. I want to start by giving you an opportunity to introduce yourself, sharing your name, where you're from, and what you stand for. Oh my goodness. That's a really big question, and I don't think I am um, together enough to answer that. Well, my name I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my name is Michelle Guerrero Dennison. Um, but I think most people just know me as glitter in the dirt because that's what I use for everything. And I am in Orange County, California. I've lived in California my whole life, north and south. And um, that last question is so profound. I mean, it's it's a very intimidating question. I think, what was it? Like, it, I, it overwhelmed me. What am I about? Well, it's the reason that I start with the what do you stand for okay. question is um, a lot of times people you know, when you're doing an introduction, it's what's your name? Where are you from? And what do you do? And a lot of times we become very um, rehearsed, you know, in a sense of this is what I do. And the reason why the question, what do you stand for came up for me was because that goes a little deeper sometimes than what we do, because sometimes it's something that we stand for. And the only way that it shows up is internally. It might not even show up in our work just yet but a lot of times I find that when we sit with that for a moment and really think about what we stand for then we start to identify how it does show up in the things that we do hopefully oh my gosh that is a it's a really good question it's just a little intimidating I think and you're right because if you were to ask me what do I do I know what my answer would have been (laughs) so I, (laughs) I think um what do I stand for I think um Curiosity of self mm. is really probably one of my, I am my, so far in life, the most confusing thing I have encountered is myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always trying, and, and the, the drive for authenticity. Mm. Absolutely. I think that, I, I mean, that could, I, I, I don't have any answers. That's the thing. Mm. Like, so I'm so curious. I don't, I'm constantly learning and searching and, and seeking. And um, I think, while I often feel like I should have some shit settled in my brain by now, I absolutely don't. It, everything is so malleable. So mm. it's just a constant curiosity about everything. Mm-hmm. I actually like that. Um, especially what you said about the drive for authenticity. What does authenticity mean to you? What does that look like? <sighs> um, well, I, I think I, well, I know that I am um, a people pleaser. Mm. And so that it's very challenging to be an authentic person when you need to keep everybody around you happy and entertained. So uh, when I recognize that in myself, 
years ago, um, I just started stripping away layers. And so part of that authenticity for me is um, the blatant need to be seen in that process. Mm. And um, I once had a friend who would always call me a look at me. Mm. She's like, why are you such a look at me? And for me, my process of authenticity, my like, because I think it's one thing to know who we are, mm-hmm. but I think it's another thing to do it very publicly. Right. And so that's part of it is that I have, I guess I'm also, I, I find myself not teaching, but sharing a lot and um, oversharing is kind of my jam. So <laughs> those, those two things kind of go hand in hand. And I think that in life, what you know, I have encountered people who were incredibly free and true and real, and they inspired me to realize that I could do that too. Mm-hmm. And so I think that part of my journey has been um, the discovering of my own authenticity mm-hmm. and calling myself out on things when I'm not doing that authentically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just, um, that's kind of how I do it. But I think when you get down to it, it is um, really pushing back on my instincts that I learned obviously at a very young age to be a people pleaser. How do you think that being a people pleaser has served you so far? Oh, people love me. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I, I know it sounds super egotistical, but like, I know that I can charm anybody and that charm has gotten me you know, to a a fairly successful career before I stopped working outside of the home. Mm -hmm. It got me um, notoriety in various things. It got me out of a lot of sticky situations. So, um, you know, I know, I, I, I think that also another word for it might be manipulation. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm being real and authentic, um, right? Like those those things can go hand in hand. I, I am very, I intuitively know what somebody wants from me. Mm. And so I, most of the time it comes out of a a pure place that I just want to keep them happy and to please them. And, but in other times there's a dark side to the people (laughs) Um, and to, to reading people maybe a little too well. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I've, I've been able to skate through a lot of things Mm -hmm. because of it. And um, as a result though, I didn't get a lot do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not real get because it was too easy and too clean, you know? Right. Yeah, I completely, completely understand. And it's interesting that you said that because the other day I was recording what I call soapbox sessions, which is basically just me on a soapbox, just sharing. And what was coming up for me was this feeling of being a reformed people pleaser or being in pursuit uh-huh. of, of being in recovery, so to speak, from being yeah, a people pleaser because... There's something that is very self-serving about being a people pleaser and can kind of be a little ironic when you, you look at it as, oh, this person is identifying themselves or was identified as a people pleaser. But in actuality, the root of the people pleasing Mm -hmm. is self-serving. It's 100%. And like you said, that's how it can easily if you put another label on it, be seen as manipulation. And even though it's not coming from a malicious place, it's coming from a place of, I genuinely want to be loved and accepted. Who doesn't? Mm -hmm. And if I genuinely want to be loved and accepted, making sure that other people are okay with themselves and with me, then I'll be loved and accepted. But when the people pleasing steps outside of what is actually in my best interest is yeah. I had to start to take a second look at it and say, okay, wait a minute. Am I pleasing people to the point where I'm no longer pleased with myself because absolutely that's where I was starting to go. And that's when very much the same, very aligned with what you're experiencing is yeah. on this drive for authenticity on this journey for authenticity, but recognizing that part of my journey so far does require a bit of validation from outside of myself and Mm -hmm. wanting to get a little bit closer to the place where I can feel fully authentic and validated from an internal place. And then any external validation is just sprinkles. It's just, wouldn't that be great? I'm not there. I'm, I can see. I'm like, I'm, I have this picture. I'm like, that sounds amazing. But I think that it's part of the human condition to seek 
validation. And we're such social creatures. And I think uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to aspire to. And I've met a few people who speak that as their truth. But I don't know if that will ever 100% be mine. But it's definitely something, again, I don't think I'm ever going to reach a pinnacle of doneness as a person. So. I don't think we're supposed to. I don't think I don't yeah. think we're supposed to. I don't think we. I don't think that's part of the human adventure. I don't think that's part of the mm-hmm. human experience. It's kind of like we just keep going until we we don't, you know. And and when we don't, then that is you know the end, so to speak, of this experience. And then we transition into something different. But I think while we're here it's meant to be a series of events, a series of experiences, and truthfully, a series of different journeys, you know, what might be, oh, yeah, 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 one might be a journey to authenticity, another might be a journey to self-discovery, another might be a journey to healing, sometimes they all intersect, so I think, I agree, the idea of arriving <laughs> at, like, I've done it. I'm here. I've planted my flag and now I am complete. I think, I don't know that that's real. (laughs) I don't think it is, but I can remember, I have a vivid memory of being in my beat up Ford Escort when I was in my 20s. And I had, like, I can remember everything. I remember how my hair was done. I can remember where I was driving. And I had this moment where I was like, this is it. This is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I was very happy. Like, Mm -hmm. I had a good job. I had good friends. I was dating a cute guy. Like, I was like, I've done it. I have achieved life. And when I looked, like, it was over 20 years ago. Like, it was absurd. But it's such a weird, I felt so there. And I have been, like, nine different women since I was her. Very much so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it was Wayne Dyer. Who did she do? Where did she, who did she, where did, yeah, who told her she had it all yeah. figured out? <laughs> yeah, I think it was, like, um, Wayne Dyer, you know, paraphrasing, but he spoke about how we don't even have the same body as we did 20 years ago. Yeah. So why do we assume that we would have the same life, the same mind? Absolutely. It's, yeah, if nothing else reminds us of the constant change is the physical bodies that we're in that are constantly going through changes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can vibe with you on that. I, you mentioned something about a friend saying that you were a look at me person. What, mm-hmm. what, what did she mean by that? What do you think she meant? Oh, um, well, I think it meant a couple of things. I think um, on the surface, it's like, I, tr- I have a need to be seen. And at that point, I didn't really recognize it. I didn't see that in myself. So like, I, you've talked with me before. I am, I talk a lot. I talk really fast. I'm loud. I laugh loud. Like I'm just a big person in, in all aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and for her, she, I, I can, she was um, astoundingly beautiful and she came from a very privileged place um, in every way you can think of it. We were very good friends, but like I had worked, I had to work through my life to be noticed. Mm-hmm. I had to work to be liked. I had to work to be accepted. And she had always had those things. Mm-hmm. And so our person, you know, as a result, you know, you are, we are products of our environments to a certain degree. And so she was a much quieter, um, very comfortable in herself person because that's what her life had taught her. Like, you're good. People, let them come to, people will come to you. You know, opportunities will come to you. And I was very much, I really was like, hey, are you guys looking at me? Do you see me? Do you notice me? I'm here too. And um, yeah, that was, um but that served me really well through most of my life too. So I'm not sure about it. Yeah, no. And I wonder, is that a Libra trait? Would you say the, the need to be seen or the (sighs) look at me-ness? Um, I think, well, we are so self-absorbed and hedonistic. (laughs) Maybe I know me, I know who I am. I'm okay with it. So it very well could be like, I do. I, I think maybe, um, I think it might also be a Leo thing, like that needs, like, how could you, I have a girlfriend who knows me so well that what, like, if, if I talk to somebody and they don't immediately smile back at me because I'm charming and delightful, I'm always a little put out. Like, I don't get mad about it, but I'm like, what's, what just happened? What's, and what's wrong with Like, and she'll always look at me and she'll go, don't they know who you are? And I'm very seriously, I'm like, exactly. I have a lot of Libras in my in my midst. My son is a Libra. My father's a Libra. Um, one of my three sisters is a Libra. And 
they all have also very you cannot not see them essentially they are a person who when they walk into a space their presence is known not in an obnoxious way but in a way that's like I you can't look away even if you wanted to and what's interesting is that they all kind of found even my son a passion that really exalts that that part of who they are my sister's a dancer and performer my father was a coach who you know is works with people and works with kids and then my son is a performer as well and so I feel most comfortable being center stage that's where they thrive so have you found a way to allow that part of you to actually cultivate a career well, I'm in the process of that. Um, I think in my former career, I was in retail forever, and I was a trainer, um, largely. So uh, that was one of those places. Like, I recently did. Um, I had I did my natal chart. I had it. Well, I had it done. I didn't do it, but um, it was related. I don't understand astrology, and that's a whole other conversation. Okay. Like, I believe in it, but it's like math. It it's so complex. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. But in reading it, it came up in a couple of spots, and specifically in my career, that um, I feel like such an egotist, but I didn't write it, that I have a gift for talking, and that that if I were to, that that's where I should focus. And so um, I do, part of my work is I, I give talks um, for a pagan magazine, um, and I do workshops, um, and I am working on another project right now where I am... Um, covering the wheel of the year in like 40 minute videos for um, somebody's website that they're making. So yeah, um, but it, not in a super successful way, but it's something that I'm working on. Yes. Mm. That's, that's, I think what I have to offer this world is that I'm certainly not an expert in anything. But I could talk for a long time about everything. Yeah. And I like that. That's one of the favorite things I like about you. When we first met, last year and we were sitting in that cafe I was like I could talk to you for hours I think we actually went over time and we're running behind to the next thing we were supposed to be doing that day but it was it was just great and honestly I was I was doing a recording a podcast the other day and someone said something similar to what you just said which is I'm not an expert on anything but I can talk a lot about many things is what she said Mm -hmm. and then I I asked well what makes one an expert on something how do we even measure expertise in this day and age when there's a certification for everything that's, yeah for so that's kind of it like in this right now in this day and age and it's so interesting because i was just thinking about this for example um you know like yoga mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. now i am not a certified yoga instructor i'm working towards that but i'm not and um i was teaching for a hot second and i had that imposter syndrome i've practiced for quite a long time and i was specifically working with larger bodies who there you know there aren't a lot of people out there teaching and i had and i was like you know what i am an expert in this particular thing because i've i am self-taught and i had to figure out how to modify things to suit a bigger body because there's not a lot of information out there and but on the flip side in the society in the world that we live in right now you have to have a certificate you have to have taken some course you like and the other thing right now in in my community right so when i say mine i mean like the new ag pagan community you seem to be able to be an expert if you get a book published And that's, that's like the thing. And everybody keeps asking me when I'm going to write a book. I'm like, I'm, I don't, I'll talk a book. I don't want to write a book. Like, <laughs> like, I'll maybe I'll just do straight audio books. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm about to finish my certification in herbalism. But again, in that there is no um, governing body of herbalism in the United States of America. So all that is really when it's all said and done is just a piece of paper that says I spent a couple thousand hours studying. I think, so does that really make you an expert? I don't think I so. I don't think so either. Um, and this is no, you know, shade to people who do spend, you know, hundreds of hours or thousands of hours pursuing education in a specific field so that they can receive, you know, the stamp of approval as an expert. Yeah. When it comes to the healing community, the holistic community, the witchy, the uh-huh. magic community, those areas, I feel, because the work that we do and the methodologies that we use are really ancient practices before Uh capitalism, before, you know, monetization of these practices in this particular form, 
it's just been passed down. So the idea if like, if I imagine myself sitting across from, you know, generations old of my ancestors who use these practices and they taught them to me the way my grandmother taught me how to crochet, I didn't get a certification as a crocheter. It's just in me. Uh-huh. I just do it. It just comes through. Uh-huh. Exactly. You know? And if, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I, was, I was just, I was just giving a, a talk recently and it was, um, my focus was kind of, um, it was on Neolithic um, Europeans. And that was a time when they were able, when we're talking about ancestors, right? mm-hmm. like they were able to slow down, right? Cause they weren't hunter, they weren't like hunting and they were able to slow down. They started to form communities and, you know, they started agriculture, but it was the first time that it, that somebody thought about anything other than survival. Mm-hmm. And so that's when the first um, priests or druids or whatever you want to think of them as, and the community recognized that. And a need for that. And so that's when it's really beautiful what archaeological evidence has shown is that there initially was one or two people, you know, and then it grew. But that they said, you know what, you have this in you and we don't understand it, but we see value in it. Mm. And the community would band together and they would support this person as this person guided them spiritually. And um, I think I've just gone off the rails from what no, you're no, saying. No, 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 it makes complete sense because if one or two people are identified in a community as somebody that is chosen to be a vessel for this work and mm-hmm. they provide a service of, of sorts to the community that they're serving and the community then serves them in return through support. Right. I think that at it's, you know, it's rawest form. That is what I hope is the, the driving force behind people who do, healing work in whatever modality it is, is that I'm actually here to be in a position of service to others. Of course, in the world we live in present day, fast forwarding to the capitalist society that we occupy, yes, there is a certain type of, you know, monetary compensation that is required in order to sustain programs like this. However, I was listening to um, a podcast today uh, by Teal Swan, and it was specifically about um, the concept of the integration between spiritual work and capitalism, basically. Uh-huh. Spiritual work and, you know, information overload and technology. And she spoke about it briefly, but she said something to the effect of, again, paraphrasing, that there are a lot of spiritual people out here doing the work. And it seems sometimes that the spiritual person that's doing the work is actually a wedge between the people that they serve and the spiritual experience that people are seeking. So she made a comparison between like, you know, using like Christ as an example and Christ had apostles and followers and, you know, but they were all following this one person and he was this ascended master so to speak whereas present day if you have people who are you know anointed or people who are tuned in or people who are turned on whatever you want to call it that when you have your quote-unquote followers are the spiritual people who are doing this work able to step away from their ego enough to say I'm just here to show you the way but don't exalt me you connect directly with source that I think sometimes the certification, the stamp of approval can feed more ego than spirit. Time for a break, time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep, intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening. Oh my gosh, yes. I 100% agree. I, I, I have met people who, and again, no, I, I'm not judging no. them, but who, who I believe in being a constant student, but I've known people who are constantly attaining as a student, like, okay, I've taken this course, and now I know how to do this, and now I'm a shaman here, but I can also be a priestess here, and I can be a healer. Like, I understand the, I understand it, 
But I think that sometimes we're just achieving to achieve for that exaltation to be able to be like, you know, I'm a level five Huda booty, whatever it is. Like literally. It just, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. But also to what you were saying about um, consumerism or our capitalist society when it comes to spirituality, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with being paid for your work because it can be actual work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And again, when we look back in time, is that that was the exchange. It was, you know, I will take care of your soul or I will guide you through whatever it is that, that they see as being needed. And there was always sacrifice required. And originally, a lot of it was sacrifice in blood, but not exclusively. It might have been your best piece, you know, your best crop of wheat, mm. or it might have been, you know, a, a blanket that you spent 70 hours making. Mm. And and that continues, but it, the thing, it, it was whatever it was of most value to you. Mm. And we live in a society where money is God. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that is of most value to most people is their money. So you, that's kind of a spin on it, but it, it, it makes sense to me. Although with that being said, I have a terrible time charging for my work or my, the things that I make. You're not alone. And it's, it's difficult. It's difficult for, for a lot of us because what I hope again, my, I hope my hope for most people that are doing this work is that we're coming from a place of the intention to serve. And of course we, we have to eat too, you know, so to speak. And if there's no exchange and there's no energy offer, whether it's bartering for time or an exchange of, of dollars or an exchange of product for product or service for service, whatever it is, if there's no exchange, I do feel like there is a piece of that equation that is missing because if I'm offering and I'm pouring into you, then I need that reciprocation to come back. It might come back in a different form, but the energy behind it, the intention behind it is the same. And I agree that sometimes it can be difficult to come to, to put a price on it because when I see the value of it, when I see that I've made an impact, you know, when I see that shift happen, whether it's a yoga student or a coaching client or anyone, when I see that happen, I'm like, Oh, I wonder how valuable that was to them. And at one point I was very tempted to just say, what do you think that was worth? And asking, you know, a student or a client, how much do you think that experience was worth? Because when I think about my struggles as well with putting a price tag on what I offer, I think of everything else that I spend money on, you know, Mm -hmm. going out to eat. I love going out, you know, and dining out. I know that one thing I like to have when I go out is soups and salads. I can make soups and salads at home. But there's something right. about the experience of going out and being served. Absolutely. So if I'm willing to pay a premium to go out and be served food, then I would hope that I would be willing to accept a premium if I'm going out to serve this work. And I have to come back to that often because it's not easy, especially when you have those times where you're like, I just really want to give this. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want money to be the reason that a person doesn't get to receive this, you know? Right. You know, I did, uh, when I first started doing workshops, I remember um, I was charging $13 and all of my girlfriends were like, you're insane. Why are you pricing it so low? Because I just, I wanted everybody to be able to attain it, but also I didn't believe in myself enough. It was mm-hmm. definitely a two-sided coin. Mm-hmm. But then about a year ago or a year and a half ago, I did one on donation mm-hmm. and it was whatever you can afford or whatever you want to give me in exchange. And the spectrum of what I received was insane. Mm-hmm. Like there were people who gave me a dollar and there were people who sent me paintings mm-hmm. and there were like people who a woman made me bread and sent it to me. And then, you know, so it was just, uh, it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't make much money off of it, but I, it was a very um, enriching pro- process yeah. and experience. Yeah. And I wish that we lived in a world where it, that's how we could do things. <sighs> I know. I know. I'm actually, I actually get excited when I am working with someone who, you know, they ask, like, you know, I started doing business consulting this year for small businesses, startups, and people specifically in the holistic community that are looking for ways to, you know, build out their business. And, you know, the conversation comes and it's time to talk about money and I, you know, present my, my rates. And whenever someone says, is there another way that we can do this? 
I'm actually open to it. What are, and I'm like curious, what, what are we offering? What do we have? Because I know that the person that I'm working with has something of value mm-hmm. to offer. And like you said, it might not be, you know, a huge monetary donation, but if someone wanted to, like someone made me um, a bag, like a satchel that I use all the time. I'm like, this is lovely. I don't know how much I pay for this, but I use it all the time. So it has value, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that. We are going to switch gears a little bit. And um, this is a portion of my podcast I like to call Complete the Sentence. (laughs) So I have a couple of sentence prompts that I came up with. And I invite you to take up as much space as you'd like as you complete them. The first one is, what's bringing me joy right now is... Oh, I wish I could see my face right now. It's absolute panic. <laughs> um, what's bringing me joy right now is um, being quiet, um, which is different for me. I um, I had I've had some health issues come up this summer that have required me to just stop, and um, it was a real struggle because I am an achiever. I have a real need to check things off of my to-do list and at the end of the day, to be able to just kind of wave my hands and be like, look at the bounty I have provided for this family. And um, I have gotten to a place where I am at peace Mm -hmm. with this need to rest and... um, I've never experienced it before. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very quiet kind of joy. But to be able to, um, to just be and to not be berating myself over that has been, um, it's been a real lovely process. Mm. I know I'm loved when. Oh my gosh, these are so good. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm loved when, oh my God, how do I know when I'm loved? Um, when I don't have to ask, I think. I'm a, a highly verbal person and I'm very good. I, I just, I know how to ask for what I want. My father made sure when I was very young that I could ask for what I wanted. And so, I think like, when I think about that, I'm thinking about my husband and my children mm-hmm. specifically, and I'm a care provider. So I am constantly doing for others. And frequently, um, you know, I get frustrated that nobody is asking me what I need or um, thinking about really, it feels sometimes like nobody's thinking about me because my whole life is thinking about them. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I, I came downstairs the other morning and I sat down in my chair and my husband came out of the kitchen with a cup of coffee for me. Mm. And that was like, I got teary and (laughs) it's such a small thing, but the fact that I, one, didn't have to make it for myself, Mm -hmm. but two, that he didn't even ask me. He just knew what I needed and he, and he gave it to me or, uh, you know what I mean? Like that. That's a great feeling, especially for someone who is a people pleaser in recovery. To have yeah. someone just offer or provide that, you know, love language speaking, active service, you know, for you without uh-huh. without request, the simplicity of a cup of coffee can feel like the most soothing thing in that moment. And uh-huh. like you said, it activates that that emotional response of like, wow, that was nice. <laughs> you know, that was a good one. I love that. It was yeah, it was really nice. I am um, happiest when? Um, like nine things just came into my mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I am, um, I actually, okay, my very happiest is when I'm in the mountains and surrounded by trees. Mm. Like that's, that is me solely without any outside influence, meaning um, cause you know, I could be, I, I was, my, my first reaction was actually, I'm happiest when everyone around me is happy. Mm. <laughs> we understand right? where that comes from. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go to my, my B answer, <laughs> which is, um, when I'm in my happy place mm. and like, that's all, I just want to live in a tree. Like yes. that's, 
like that's the dream so I think um but when I think about what that means is it means um that I don't I'm not taking care of anybody else and I am able to just be in myself Mm. and um to appreciate the the amazing planet that we live on yeah that we don't really like I'm a full-on tree hugger like I hug all the trees Mm. And that really brings me happiness and peace. And like, you know, when you're like sitting in a field and you see like a swirl of butterflies go by, that's, that's the thing. Or like a a rabbit runs across your path or just like those things Mm. are the the highlight of my life. Mm. They make me so happy. So I guess that's when I'm my happiest. I don't get to do it a whole lot, but that's when I'm at my happiest. I I love that my magic comes from oh well I think it at its deepest answer is that it comes from the river of blood that ties me to my ancestors Mm. but in in this life in this form it absolutely um stems from I have this picture in my mind of and I I call it um, my house of love and so Yes, magic is at the top. Magic is that, you know, little A-frame roof on the top of it. Mm -hmm. But the foundation of that comes from um, Mm self-acceptance and self-respect and self-love. And so that is the foundation and the walls that build the house. And then the magic is that that shining peak on top. Mm -hmm. I love that. If I could teach the world a lesson, it would be? (sighs) Just be kind. (laughs) And I think that's such a simple answer, but I I think we are in a time, and maybe it's always been this way, I don't know, Mm. but where um, vitriol is glorified. Mm. And I I do believe in speaking truth, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that doesn't always feel good, but I think too many... There are too many examples in this world that I see of people stepping on the backs of other people with hateful words Mm. uh, in order to ascend to whatever it is that they think that they're going to become. And I used to have a a really vicious tongue and I hurt a lot of people in my life. And I have made it my mission to never allow words to hurt, to pass through my lips. And I mean, I say things that are very real sometimes, mm-hmm. and they might hurt, but the intention is, it's not a vicious intent. Right. And I think that if, if we could do that, I think that um, we would be happier with ourselves, because when you, speak with, when you speak out of anger, and when you allow that venom to come through your lips, it hurts, it hurt, at least for me, it hurt me too, mm-hmm. to say it. Yeah. Maybe not in the moment, in the moment I felt amazing, oh. but later I felt terrible. Right. And so that, like, that's one of the main lessons that I'm trying to teach my daughter because she has the same tendencies. And I'm hoping that she won't have to learn that in her 30s. I'm hoping that we'll get that before she gets to her 20s. Right, right. No, it's real. I, I think I I can relate to that as well, even though I'm a, you know, cancer and, you know, is known to be so sensitive. But there definitely was a time in my life where I was like, I'm a wordsmith and I can mm-hmm create and craft words that can either lift you up or tear you down and there was a time when like you said in the moment there's this sense of victory and you know domination like ha ha I did that Mm -hmm. and then later I could feel the residue of that hurt come out of me and was and would feel immediately you know low and bad and upset but wasn't in a place at the time where I was even able to reach back and actually make amends and so now very similarly I put a calling on my life and called something into me that says you know the words that come out of me are of truth wisdom and healing only if if it's not Uh that then I can't can't say it right now you know gotta just maybe write it down or go say it to a wall you know what I mean but not gonna say it to to anybody else because the the vibration that comes from that, the ripple that comes from that is, is greater than what I want to do. If I'm going to put out ripples through the word vibrations that I 
that I use. Yeah. I want them to be ripples of love and healing yes. more so than anything. Words are so powerful. And I wish I could be as, um, I, my ambition is not quite as lofty as yours because a lot of fluff passes through my lips. I'm a very flergibity person. <laughs> like nonsense passes out of my mouth all the time, but it's never hurtful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I can't be, I can't be, um, deep at all times. I wish I could. No, but I can't do it at all times, but I do my best. <laughs> I do my yeah, best. I try. It's something to aspire to. And again, what you were saying is maybe that goes back to that whatever's at the core of the people pleaser. But like we were saying, like I, my words, I can lift you up or I can demolish you. Right. Like there's, I really want to drill down into that at some point in my, like I might have to work on that yeah. and figure out what that is. Yeah, to kind of dig in and see like where it comes from. And I know for me, a lot of it came from a lack of expression you know there was a period of my time where I wasn't as talkative and wasn't as outspoken and wasn't as willing to be able to ask for what I wanted and what I needed and so sometimes in my past it would feel like a lot of this you know word vomit would come out from decades ago you know like old stuff it's like where is it even coming from so yeah it's something that I'm still exploring and you know I'm by no means perfected it because I haven't arrived because I'm still on that journey so (laughs) there it is um before we wrap up here I have two more questions for you um the first one is when do you feel the most beautiful when I'm in my magic Mm -hmm. and that can be so many things um it yeah there I am um I love singing for example and I'm not the world's best singer Mm -hmm. but I love it and it's part of my calling in this life um but I have a lot of weird shame around it Mm -hmm. um I must have picked it up as a kid my mother used to tell me that I sang like Ethel Merman (laughs) (laughs) and that stuck with me and so I always thought people didn't want to hear me sing Mm -hmm. And um, that's one example. Like when I, when I'm singing, I do, I feel like a fucking goddess. Like it just, I, it is so empowering for me and so uplifting. It can also be, um, I feel that um, when I'm, when I'm able to get out of my head and my yoga practice Mm -hmm. and um, you know, when you have that, that perfect union, the mat, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're actually practicing yoga and not just doing the saunas, like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's there. It is also when I'm um, when I'm working with with plant medicine, and I so it's, I guess it's it's that's it. It's when I'm in my magic, which meaning when I'm in my most authentic self, and generally um, when I'm creating something either beautiful or healing in in some facet. Absolutely, absolutely. How did you show yourself love today? I took a nap. Ooh. It, well, it was it was a pseudo nap, like I laid down. Okay, <laughs> I didn't actually get to sleep. I was real, real tired. It was just before this call, actually, and I was just drained. And um, normally, I would, I, you know, I guess I have a list. I like to achieve things, mm-hmm. but I was as part of this process that I've been going through. My heart's been bothering me today, and I was able to say, you know what? It's okay. Lay down for twenty minutes and just chill. And I did, and I felt a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I. The, the love part of it is that I don't feel guilty about yes. it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Rest just being rest as opposed to rest being that thing that you did instead of doing the things you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> but just Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. My last question for you is um is there a word that when you hear it and when you say it makes you feel powerful? Ah. <sighs> Um, it's a, it's a double, it's double feelings for me, which is the word no. Mm. I'm not good at saying no. Uh, so when I am able to say it, you know, the, the saying no is a complete sentence. I'm very bad at that one. I use too many words, but (laughs) also if I say no, I always feel like I have to explain my no. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I'm working on. Um, and you know, that idea of the sacred, no. So when there are moments when I'm able to just say no and coming, not coming from a, it's not bitter. Mm -hmm. It's not angry. It's simply, I choose to say no. And and then to, to be at peace with that, Mm -hmm. that's an amazing feeling. Cause normally when I say no, it comes with that need to explain myself Mm -hmm. or it's a no, but I know I'm actually going to say yes. Mm -hmm. 
it's, it's such a simple but such a powerful word. Absolutely, I I can align with you completely on on that feeling and that sensation of what a complete no feels like where I feel complete with saying it. I feel complete with the reasons why I said it. And I don't feel any need to come back with a semicolon and more explanation as to why I said no, you know, or a no, but if you maybe it, none of that, it's just a complete no. And like you said, not with, um, the intention of, you know, shutting anything down, but more so creating an opportunity for myself to say, this is a no for me, you know, and, and I'm okay with that. And, and getting there is, yeah, definitely a very, very good feeling. So the last thing that I have to offer you, um, I'm working with this Oracle deck called the Oracle of E, which is E for everything and manifestation. And it's a deck of 52 cards. So I want you to select a number between one and 52. 17. 17. Lovely. Okay. So let's see our message. Exciting. Baggage be gone. Come on. <clears throat> Come on now. Aren't you tired of being stooped over from all that emotional baggage? The thing is, it all happened yesterday. This is now. And with one flick of your powerful, energetic finger, you can send that old has-been baggage overboard into the drink. It is time to fly free. Let it go, my friend. I will take that. Lovely. Okay. That is beautiful. What is that deck called? It's called, I'll send you a picture. It's called the Oracle of E. I love that. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites to work with. Well, I could have, I could use some of that in my life. Thank you're you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. This has been so lovely, and I too oh. love talking a lot. So I know we could talk forever, and I'm just <laughs> I'm so pleased and I'm so excited to be able to share what came through this conversation. And I trust that everything that came through it is going to touch someone. It's going to reach into someone. It's going to help open up someone's heart, especially those who are out there who are still on the road to recovery from people pleasing. <laughs> and so. I'm I'm just, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have met you and connected with you. And I see the work that you're doing and I know that your body is in process of healing and becoming as whole as it's meant to be. And I'm just glad to be able to witness the work that you're doing and glad to be able to just be a part of it. So thank you so much for saying yes to this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And next time you're, you're out here, let me know. I, will. I want to sit and talk with you more. That would be lovely. I would love that. I would love that. Okay. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. You have a choice of hundreds of podcasts, and I appreciate you for choosing this one. Please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review this podcast. If you like what you've heard, check out my first book, Because I Said So, Simple Ways to Rewrite Your Story, available on Amazon. Stay connected on social media. Find me at Keyshawn Rains. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to something different and experience something new. Peace and blessings. Namaste.